This is Look West, a podcast from California's Assembly Democrats. Cambridge Analytica drilled deep, looking for a trove of social media data. After allegations that data firm Cambridge Analytica... If your personal information was compromised in the Equifax data breach... Millions of users of the credit reporting agency Equifax have had their personal information accessed by hackers. This was discovered... The sale of your personal information without your consent. Tech companies tracking your location through their apps. Data breaches exposing millions of consumers' information. These are just a few of the reasons California decided to take action and enact the California Consumer Privacy Act, or the CCPA. Welcome to part two of our data privacy episode. In part one, you heard about how the CCPA is leading the nation in our fight to take back control of our own personal information. I'm Ben Cheever. I'm Jen Hardy, and we're with LookWest. Last time on LookWest, we discussed the CCPA with Assemblymember Ed Chow, who authored the bill, and real estate developer turned pivotal industry activist, Alistair McTaggart. We also sat down with Elizabeth Gettleman Galicia, Vice President of Policy for Common Sense Media. This nonprofit organization is known by families for their ratings and reviews on all types of media, such as movies, apps, and books. As their VP of Policy summarized when we spoke with her, common sense is a guide for parents when it comes to navigating the digital age. I've been receiving a lot of emails recently about new privacy uh, policies from companies, and they refer to the California Consumer Privacy Act, the CCPA, as the main reason for their privacy update. So in the most simple terms, what is the CCPA, and how do you expect it to affect uh, privacy policies nationwide? So the CCPA is a new law in California that gives consumers certain rights when it comes to their personal information or their data. So the biggest one is the right to know what information uh, companies have about them uh, and to be able to opt out of the sale of that data. And this is an unprecedented right in the United States. Uh, Europeans have had this right for over a year now with GDPR. And now Californians, as of January, will be able to tell companies that they no longer want them to sell their data to places like data brokers and any third parties. Um, There's additional rights. They have the consumers will have the right to port their data, which means they can move their data to another platform. They also can ask a company to delete their data and not use any of it um, in the future, which is that's also a new right. And there are particular protections that we fought for for young people. So under uh, federal guidelines, under COPPA, which is the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, uh, children under 13 are protected from the marketing and sale of their data. This reinforces that, um, that companies cannot sell data of users under 13. And then for users under 16, so teenagers, Mm -hmm. they need to opt in for the sale of their data. So it's really this instance where young people who are teenagers who are really coming into their own and understanding how companies maybe are navigating um, their business models with with what is their own data, they will be making choices to um, allow companies to use their data or to not allow them. Um, So those are the kind of basic rights and that does, um, that's the reason you're seeing new Um, updates from companies as to their privacy policies. They're outlining they need to inform consumers if they are in fact selling their data and provide them with the means to opt out of that sale. 
And you did ask in terms of how this will impact privacy nationwide and privacy mm-hmm. policies. Um, the law goes into effect for Californians, so 40 million Californians as of January. But we have seen uh, already companies, large companies like Microsoft, have come out and said, we will provide these rights uh, across the U.S. and Great. not just exclusively to Californians. Um, so this is widely known as the strongest privacy law across the nation. Um, so why exactly do you think we need such a robust privacy law? Is there any particular event or time that comes to your mind when it kind of clicked in your mind? Or has this just always been a principle for you and kind of seeing the 21st century taking a direction that you weren't particularly fond of? Yeah, that's a great question. I think common sense moved into privacy advocacy work um, you know, almost a decade ago, and the first privacy law we worked on was around student privacy. So look inside the classroom, more and more applications being used to for homework and assignments and use you know um, student records. Um, and really uh, needing then there were were no guidelines around you know what happens with that data and what could be commercially available. Um, so we worked on the first student privacy law in the nation, so PIPA came out of um, the California legislature in 2013, I believe. Um, And it's now in half the states in the U.S. So that really looks at inside the classroom, how is student data um, being protected? And there's, you know, certainly when it comes to inside the home and in communities, we need to also have robust protections um, because more and more we just data is part of our everyday lives. It's um, part of our homes. We have smart homes. We have connected devices. Our cars, you know, our our, um, and certainly children. I mean, their kids navigate their lives in interacting with technology, um, and we don't always see where that data goes and what the sort of implications of are of sharing everything about ourselves online. And I think there's instances of and one one piece of the law that I didn't mention that's a new right is has to do with data breach. And I feel like people are now um, kind of um, used to and um, don't aren't taken by surprise when they hear about another data breach of um, you know records, their personal information. You get a letter in the mail. You hear about Target or Equifax. And um, one of the protections in the CCPA is that if there's a data breach, um, you can actually, as a private citizen, bring suit. Um, the rest of the law, the actual enforcement for it is with the attorney general. But I would say that in terms of what um, some of the triggers are for for really recognizing the need for robust privacy protections, we have health, you know, around healthcare and HIPAA, um, around student privacy, around financial privacy, we've had protections, but we haven't looked holistically. And given where technology is and given how an individual and everything about them and all their personal information can really be tracked and used in everything from determining your rate for a home loan or impacting your college admissions to data breaches, um, on to implications for our elections. I mean, I think one of the things that preceded the debate around the CCPA was Cambridge Analytica and really seeing how the collection of information and really specific detail around um, Facebook users uh, and how that could be kind of bundled up and then people were sort of part of a, 
you know, a research project. Um, but we saw what happened with that and how it had really significant implications. And at the same time as Cambridge Analytica, that happened, the sort of revelation two years ago, there was also a privacy initiative on the ballot, which became the CCPA inside the legislature with this idea of now is really the time given we're seeing, you know, real places where privacy is impacting things as essential as our democracy. Um, there's a ballot initiative that the legislature could um, negotiate inside the building, as well as GDPR, which I mentioned earlier, was going into effect in Europe. And you essentially had companies that already were going to have to comply with a privacy framework. And the question becomes, should Europeans be more protected than than Americans, than Californians? And I think the answer, you know, the answer was was no. So here we are with CCPA. Who does the act really affect? So the CCPA does not, it, it, it does not apply to nonprofits. It does not apply to business, small businesses. So you have to be a business with more than 25 million in gross revenue, a business with data on more than 50,000 consumers, or you make 50% of your revenue selling consumer data. So we are not talking about a mom and pop business that's really trying to kind of navigate getting into the online world. If they are not, if their business is not selling your data, then they will not, then that will not be ruptured by this new law. Um, but I do think Obviously, when you talk about who it affects, it does affect businesses, and it affects businesses in California. It affects businesses around the world that have California consumers. So that is a piece of it. And you're seeing right now companies that are um, anticipating both the implementation date, which is January 1st, and the enforcement date uh, when the attorney general can bring cases, which is July 1st, and looking at how they will comply and compliance is both making consumers aware of their new rights and then following through to make sure they're responsive. Um, so there, you know, we believe and we have heard from businesses that it it is a burden, it is costly. Um, it is also something we hope as they start to um, ideally use data more responsibly, be more transparent with consumers about how they use data, that we're entering into really a new era of how data is treated, and those companies that really treat data respectfully, that can be seen by consumers as a real asset and a reason to want to do business with that company. Um, and for consumers, we actually did two years ago, about um, maybe it was 18 months ago, it was about three weeks before the law went to a vote, and we were co-sponsors of the CCPA, Common Sense was, we did a consumer survey. So we wanted to ask parents and teens how they felt about data privacy and teens in particular, because you will hear, you will hear this refrain of, well, kids are like, they live in this online world. They want things, you know, right away. They want to, they want to interact with their friends. They're fine with their information being shared. It's not a big deal to them. And we actually were able to ask them and we found that nine in 10 parents and teens wanted to, wanted companies to be more responsible with their data. They wanted to know who had their data and what they were doing with it. So we had this, you know, we were able to share that with members of the legislature and say, we're advocating on behalf of this, these consumers who really are making privacy a priority for them. And I will say, I will add that what's nice about this law, people don't have to choose between privacy or innovation and technology. 
You don't have to say, you know, I want my privacy rights and so I won't be able to use Snapchat or I won't be able to use Google Maps. It, it, the law is written such that to deliver the service that the technology, that the business is promising, um, they can use data. You just have to use it responsibly and not sell it to a third party. So it isn't a choice for consumers where they ha really have to give up what is so incredible about technology and how it enriches our lives. It just sort of addresses some of the vulnerabilities. So the average Californian does not read bill language. Um, so they're not going to know everything about this law. Um, most people aren't going to click about learn more about your new privacy rights. So what would you say is the most important part for the California consumer to know about this? Um, what do we all really need to know about it? Yeah, I mean, the average consumer certainly doesn't read bill language, as you said, and does not read privacy policies, terms of service. I mean, I always wonder when you click that, you know, ex click the button to read more or expand. I'm sure companies have data on how many people actually read more, and it's probably privacy policy wonks and people who really are immersed in this. Um, so I think that, you know, it is it is difficult. And in a, in a world where everything is moving so fast and you're just inundated with information, um, it is challenging to sort of convince someone to kind of tuck in with a good privacy policy. Um, so I don't know that that is our goal. I do think that um, there are opportunities with this law for people to start to have an awareness of the types of things that happen with their data. And probably the most significant thing is the ability to opt out of sale. And this is, this is um, we will have to see how it turns out in the final regulations from the Attorney General in terms of exactly how websites and businesses will need to display the option of do not sell my data, um, whether there's a button on a homepage or every page. Um, you don't want to lead to sort of consent fatigue where people feel like they're just kind of, I'll just click yes to whatever you ask me, just get me out of here. Um, but I think when people see a button that says, that gives them an option of not selling data, they will understand that, oh, there are companies that sell my data. I think part of the challenge with privacy and, and with consumers really resonating with, I mean, at a certain level when there's data breaches or there's something, there's a revelation that comes out in terms of how data is being used by companies, it, it concerns them. It's this idea that in the analog world that someone sort of opened my front door, they've walked in, they've walked around my house and maybe taken notes or taken some things and they've left. And that is, that is happening with our data. Um, That's a great visual. I like that. It's a little creepy. Um, <laughs> But then what can you, what are really the repercussions? You know, you, you can't dial, what's the 911? What is the, um, the lock you can put on the door? And I think there's a challenge of um, understanding what it is that happens with your information and then what it is you can do about it. So this law, I think, particularly through the action of, because to date, what you can really do is if you're motivated, you can go to your settings maybe change your settings that are probably default to to share and you may have cookies turned on and um, you can change those. But this is a this is a the kind of uh, right that consumers have that they never have before, that they can opt out of sale. And there are there are browsers where, you know, do not track and there's ways you can choose a 
um, search engine or a browser that really is not or is already not kind of tracking you and selling your data. Um, but this will be this will be something where um, right there on on landing pages, people are saying, "Oh, do not sell data. My, do not sell my information." I guess I understand now. You know, my information's being sold. Yeah, I think back to that visual of someone walking around in your house. I didn't used to necessarily think of my data that way, but it only took about a day or two of researching this issue to really suddenly get that feeling. And, you know, as you say, hopefully that's how we start to feel as we have to click that button. We realize I do have rights under this. Um, But specifically in your work with parents and with teenagers, what do you think they in particular should know about the CCPA? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you ask that. We are developing materials and we'll have a landing page at um, commonsense.org that provides resources for parents and families around privacy and what they can do to protect their family's privacy rights, particularly in the light of CCPA. Um, and I think I think it's important for families to know that they can, can and should continue to take advantage of the opportunities that technology provides. Um, we need to both ensure that all families have access to technology and that we address tech equity issues in terms of ensuring that communities are supported when it comes to technology, that tech companies are paying back into communities, that there are not privacy violations such that, you know, make immigrant communities vulnerable with data being passed along to ICE, for example. Um, and I think parents understanding that they can take have some agency and some decision-making power, and with CCPA, they can they can kind of raise their hand and tell a company that this is something they care about. So you don't have to stop using Instagram. You don't have to stop using a service to make it known that you care about how your your data and your kids' data is being used. Um, so that, we feel like, will be an opportunity for um, families to both better understand what's happening with their data and then to to do something about it, because I think the other to date, and it's you know it's somewhat analogous to you know there's things like there's the kind of breaking into the house. There's also with things like climate change, it's it's a sense of well, it's so big and it's everywhere, and the environment's changing. But what would what can I do? And there's there's sort of small practical things that um, I feel like decades ago it was we're getting into. Well, I can recycle. I can think differently about how I consume things. And I think um, as we learn more about what is happening with our data, people are looking for really those practical things they can do. And at the same time, we need to be responsive as um, from a policymaking and a regulatory um, perspective to ensure that it's not all on consumers. At Common Sense, we're very much about you know, we want informed citizens. We want young people to make smart decisions online. We want parents to, you know, everything they may need to know when their kids are trying out new apps or maybe they're on YouTube. Um, at the same time, you have young people and a f- busy family up against AI and a business model that, you know, is bringing up all kinds of content on a screen and telling them, okay, you can look at settings, but good luck otherwise, you know, we really need to think what are the appropriate protections that need to be in place 
to support families. And we feel like privacy is kind of the leading edge of this work, but we need to look at where there are, for example, design elements and technology that will will keep kids on screens for longer, mm-hmm. even when they're as young as, you know, two and three and they're on apps and or they're auto-playing and seeing inappropriate content. And there really aren't any rules in place that are um, holding platforms liable for that. So really, we're really thinking about what are the ways we can continue to push for reforms and also keep uh, families um, up to date on what they can do. I think every parent I know is both extremely busy, so they probably don't have to, time to sit down and research this to a great extent on their own without some resources being given to them. Uh, but they're also, they are very concerned about their children's privacy. Yeah, and we try to do things like um, provide videos where um, we'll give you five things you can do. Um, so that, that's sort of, okay, if I'm I'm sort of 101, what can I try? Um, and I also think um, we want to do things like, um, so we have we have a tool where teen, you know, that where parents and families can opt out and it's a free tool and they can use a form and they can tell a company not to sell their data. We're not going to be the the managers of that because we don't want to collect people's data. Um, but we do, we would like to be a support. So we'll send them a reminder notice if they want to let us know how it went with a company. If they live in another state and we have uh, people who are advocating for for their rights, we want to amp- be able to amplify their voices to really show lawmakers around the country where California is leading, but really other states should step up to and provide similar rights. But even with those rights, there are always the unfortunate circumstances of uh, companies um, not complying, whether by choice or not. Um, so what recourse will California consumers have if that is the situation? Yeah. So. Um, most of the law, the enforcement mechanism is the attorney general. Um, I think he was in 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 a hearing during the debate for the law. I think um, he was referred to as the chief privacy officer of the United States. Once this goes into effect, I so, like that title. <laughs> yeah, it it is it is certainly something that um, you know has has a, um, a it will come with a, a big stack of work. Um, so it's a daunting role. And I think in order for the California Attorney General to um, effectively enforce this law, they need the resources. They really need to have the kind of um, enforcement ability, the, the, the capacity in terms of staffing, in terms of funding, in terms of scope of and, – and this is where, you know, developing the regulations and really seeing – this process that is really ongoing in real time. I mean, the comments were due a couple weeks ago. It's We will see the kind of final uh, regulations come out with the attorney general where they're essentially providing a roadmap for companies in terms of how to comply. So are you ever scared about what could happen as far as your information that's out there? And what do you say to your friends and family about this issue? Yeah, I mean, I certainly, I've been part of data breaches, and you really don't know the scope of where some of the data that was kind of swept up in previous data breaches, what the maybe longer-term implications are on your credit history, and there's all sorts of kind of longer-term, longer-tail consequences that are concerning and and aren't always, and and don't have a direct line back to, okay, who's responsible, and 
and how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? So it certainly concerns me. And, um, you know, I often think I'm a parent and um, I am in a house where, of course, we're using technology and technology is exciting and it's there for discovery and learning. And I'm excited to explore those opportunities with my children. I also want for us, for them, to be able to navigate the world and have the days in their life be free to, to, they'll make mistakes and they'll try things and they'll say things and they'll fail and they'll get back up again. And this sort of record of all of that um, is something that we didn't have as children. And it's really something that um, makes it difficult to kind of navigate the growing up. And, um, you know, I want to ensure that there's an awareness and an understanding that, um, that there there's a time and a place for technology and the not always on is nice because then you can kind of step away from it and have a, a, a kind of freedom to just kind of um, be in a world where you're not tracked, which mm-hmm. is becoming harder and harder, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think in terms of what I my own um, use of technology, I often kind of laugh and think there's many companies that know a lot more about me and remember a lot more about what I've done than than I could I could tell you. Um, which I find, you know, is somewhat funny, but also unfortunate, you yeah. know, that, that that there's this, you know, very intimate record of everyone's lives. California has definitely led the nation on a number of issues. And you mentioned how Microsoft has already complied with the CCPA nationwide. Um, so how do you see this kind of affecting the nation moving forward? How do you see California leading the way in this issue? Um, so I do think that we're we're moving into the next phase of what protections are. And we actually, in terms of what's upcoming, there's already another ballot initiative that is moving through the process. Um, That is something that will be part of the conversation in terms of what are the the areas where the tech industry feels like there needs to be some changes, some additional, I had mentioned, what are some exemptions that companies would like, for example, commercial credit reporters would like an exemption. The ad tech industry is also looking for, I mean, this is not a law that makes it so that you cannot put an advertisement on a website. It should be contextual and it should be about where you are, you know, what kind of website you're on. You're buying a bike and there's an ad about a bike, uh, but not something that's kind of tracked you across sites. Um, But having some clarification around what digital advertising looks like, um, these are all areas where... um, you know, we're going to see California asking these, what I'd say, given what we've done, sophisticated questions, because we've we've sort of taken that first step. And then it's, okay, once you start to um, put together a framework for privacy protections, how do you ensure that that's meaningful for consumers? How do you sure, ensure that industry can comply, that we can continue to be innovative and lead the nation? So I think we'll be asking and answering all those questions in the session to come. Thank you to our guest, Elizabeth Gettleman Galicia. I'm Jen Hardy with Ben Cheever for LookWest. Thanks for listening. The LookWest podcast is produced by the California Assembly Democrats. Please subscribe and rate this show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And when you think of California and politics, remember to look west. <laughs>